This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the April 27th edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to talk some of the last dance. With me to do so is Dr. A, and I have one question for you. What time is it? <laughs> Game time. Woo. How's it going? How's it, going? Uh, it is 116. It's 116. Uh, I'm good, man. How are, how are you doing? Pretty good, man. I am uh, just finished writing my column about Kevin Durant. We'll talk about him in a second. I'm starting a new series, uh, if you heard on Friday. Just crazy deep dives about players all like pro- I don't think I didn't I've never seen anybody for even football just go like so deep on this so I love new challenges so I'm pumped for that and I'm uh, excited to post that which is going to be either up while you hear this pod or very very soon awesome yeah and about- you, it's a deep dive a deep dive into Kevin Durant yep uh all sorts of shot location stats on off splits with Steph uh, how he's done in isolation over the years how he's done with without Westbrook it's just insanely thorough um, and I'm going to do it for a bunch of guys too. So it's kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm real excited about it. I love, uh, I love, it's kind of reminds me of when I wrote NBA matchups, just like a lot of work, but I, I definitely enjoy it. But, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. And you're doing a column too, right? Yeah. You got a column coming on too, right? Yeah. I'm going to write something, uh, for Tuesday, tomorrow, tomorrow. And, uh, I've been fully, fully figured that out yet, but it's probably <laughs> going to be a look at, this one's probably going to be a look at five guys that I'm I'm going to draft in most leagues I can get nice. them in. So, nice. yeah, uh, yeah, cool. So let's talk about the last dance. Hopefully you've seen it, or else you know pause it and watch it, and then come back. We don't want to spoil everything for you. But uh, the first episode was a lot about Dennis Rodman. I mean, really one of the, I mean, for lack of a better term, just like crazy personalities in the NBA. Uh, and I thought it was really cool um, to see him. Like he's like, oh, I wasn't. You know, I didn't have that mentality until I went to Detroit. And I was looking at his numbers in college. You know, you would never imagine that he was 27 and 16 um, as as a senior and then 25 and 18. Uh, just like, that's insane. Um, obviously, he was playing against kind of inferior competition at Southeastern Oklahoma State. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's just, he's he's fascinating to me. Um, uh, what, what were your overall takeaways and what, what do you think of the Dennis Rodman stuff? Well, one thing that was cool was uh, my son, my 12-year-old, right before I sat down to watch The Last Dance, he was like, hey, Dad, uh, was Dennis Rodman's hair always crazy? <laughs> and, you know, one of the things we saw last night was all the – a lot of different variations of, of oh, Dennis' hair. Uh, so I thought that was that was kind of fun. Um, and one thing I, I think I talked with Strap about this. I don't know if you heard the story or not, but I was hanging out – at Johnny B's in Dahlonega one time, and it turned out that I was sitting next to the Hawks trainer at the bar, and he was messing with me. I didn't recognize him. He had a bunch of Harley gear on and stuff. <laughs> but his name's Wally Blaze, and he's the guy that babysat Dennis Rodman oh, man. during this season that we're watching 
Uh, although he didn't, I don't think he started dealing with Rodman until the very end, like right before the playoffs. And he was telling me stories about how Rodman would drag him to Vegas and all over, really all over the West Coast and just doing insane, crazy stuff. And we heard some of that last night, like the Vegas vacation. Oh my God. I forgot about that, to be honest. That's great. You forgot, and you forgot it happened, or you for, you forgot you saw. Well, it just wasn't. In, I knew it happened, but it wasn't like I was like, ah, yeah, you know. It's just kind of a reminder. Like, imagine that happening nowadays. Well, dude, that's the thing. I don't think people knew about it. Yeah. I don't think it was public public knowledge that he went that he went to Phil Jackson and said, "I need a vacation. I need forty eight hours in Vegas," and they just let him go. Yeah. And, and for him to be riding around on a Harley with no helmet. And a police escort and, and drinking like it's insane. And and the fact that there were no reporters, there were no TV cameras like I still can't wrap my head around it. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't like it was 1927, <laughs> you know, uh, like, can you imagine John, John Collins, <laughs> John Collins going to Vegas right now and riding around a motorcycle with no helmet on and while the <laughs> Hawks are playing games with Carmen Electra. Like, and for the, for the younger folks, uh, late nineties, Carmen Electra was like definitely probably the top four or five people that had like the crushes on and stuff. I'd probably say, <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate, uh, but anyways, and I, I, Carmen Electra was popping back in those days. She was, yeah, she was. but, um, uh, yeah. But I, I just can't. I I cannot imagine how the the media guys that knew about that didn't write about it, yeah. or if maybe they just didn't know because he was in Vegas. But I, I looked it up. He only missed two games. Yeah, yep. uh, and he had I think zero shots. Can you imagine? Can you imagine him being on your yeah <laughs> on your fantasy team? Being on your fantasy team, and yep. he he's. He misses two games because he's in Vegas on Dennis, vacation. Dennis Rodman. Like, Ka- Kamika- and, uh, parentheses, I, I, kamikaze I shots feel, will not play. I, I kind of feel like he's might be the grandfather of load management. Because <laughs> yeah. He needed yep. some time off. They gave it to him. And Jordan's like, where's my vacation? Man, I'm the one doing all the work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was pretty great. wild. Yeah, was, uh, the kamikaze stuff was so funny. And then Carmen Electra saying she was like hiding when Jordan came in, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's crazy he dated Madonna and Carmen Electra, you know, in the same decade. Like, and for as wild as yeah. he was, it's just it's yeah, it was really cool. Um, I dug in on on some cool stats on Rodman that I just kind of wanted to share. Uh, so he was like Mister, and I talk about him all the time. When we compare it to PJ Tucker. Um, he actually only had one game with zero usage rate, which I thought was kind of weird. I thought there'd be more of them. Uh, but six of them were no shots with turnovers. Uh, he only had a 9.6 usage rate with the Bulls, which is insane. Um, uh, four seasons with 30 minutes per uh, 30 minutes per game with uh, usage rate uh, at 10 or lower, which is also just crazy. Like no one else does that. Um, PJ Tuck is the only player who's done it twice since him. Also Ben Wallace, Bruce Bowen, and Shane Battier. That's the list uh, for sub sub usage rate. But uh, yeah, he's I could keep going. But um, what what other like. Rodman stuff did, and it's crazy because Pippen wasn't around, and he still like wasn't shooting at all. Like usually we talk about DFS all the time, where dudes will go away, like Pippen, big part of the offense, and like Rodman's usage rate like went down, <laughs> which is just pretty much a testament to MJ uh, and the other dudes. But the guy is just like a total role player, and uh, David Aldridge said he's like the best defender ever, which I mean I can't really appreciate. I'm not old enough to really know that, but uh, like as a basketball player, he's crazy. 
crazy. Well, and I also think I also think he might be the best pure rebounder of all time. Oh my too, god! Because yeah. eight straight years leading the NBA in total rebounding percentage. Eight. That's insane. Yeah, and I think one of those years he, he was like thirty six years old. And uh, I know I know my buddy Rick Camlo was posting stuff that a poll who was the best rebounder, and he he said Wilt Chamberlain. I don't know what his what his readers voted for, but just because. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain was like seven feet tall, yeah. bigger than everybody else he's playing against except Bill Russell at the time, and he was even bigger than Bill. Um, but Rodman's a little dude, man, and he's yeah. fighting with you know they show him blocking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shots and and really just getting in the paint and muscling these guys for rebounds. It, it's really impressive what he was able to do. Yeah, uh, again, you mentioned the size. He's six seven, like that's unheard of, man. That's like small forward status, like. You're like a a combo three four at that size, and he was really one of the best players. And then um, they yeah, mentioned the hair. St- what were your favorite uh, Rodman hairstyles? Got to be the Pippin when Pippin returned with the three with the threes all over his head. Right, that was that was epic. I mean, that one was pretty wild. They were they were all pretty good. I I, I can't say that I can pick a favorite uh, Rodman <laughs> hairstyle from the collection. But uh, one thing I noticed last night that I thought was kind of interesting and says a lot about Rodman and Jordan's relationship, I think, is um, Rodman got thrown out of a game, and and Jordan was really mad at him, and Rodman knew Jordan was mad at him, so Rodman went to his room and asked him if he had an extra cigar. He never said he <laughs> yeah. was. So- he never apologized, but he kind of went up there like, hey, Mike, you got a cigar? And that was kind of his way of saying, I'm sorry. And it reminds me of my 12-year-old kid, like when I yell at him and he gets in trouble <laughs> and he knows he screwed up. He may not apologize to me, but he'll come find me and be like, hey, Dad, what are you doing? And it's just <laughs> that, that whole thing of I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just wild. Uh, like the, there's so many dynamics going on. With that team, with Jerry Krause, you know, blowing the team up and Phil Jackson trying to, you know, handle Rodman alone is is enough. But then you've got Jordan and his ego and you got Pippen and his holdout. And then you've got the media asking in every city and every game nonstop about, you know, why is Jerry blowing up the team? And I mean, that's just a lot going on. The fact that they were able to hold it together. I mean, it's it's just shows you how amazing uh, Jordan really was. Yeah, and Robin was a uh, great quote from the, even the Pistons side. And they're like, yeah, you can't put a saddle on a Mustang. Love that. That was one of my favorites. But, yeah, that was cool. Um, what'd you make of the whole bad boys it. walking off the floor? Or, yeah, what do you got? I also liked it when uh, when they were doing the Rodman thing. They played uh, Maestro by Beastie Boys. Yeah. And uh, it was like the perfect song for, for that segment. Like, they really – crushed the music last oh time, my god thought, the whole too. the whole series so far like I, even with like phil jackson playing the i feel free eric clapton song just like um you know they were playing uh fat joe still not a player for 97 98 when pippen was coming back and all this like ah the music is just like uh it's it make i mean it doesn't make the show but it's just such a huge it's a you could like do a whole like pot about just the music and i just love how it's just yeah. so timely with like when the stuff was coming out and when like what was going on like when they were going obviously it's more kind of clear when they're going through the 80s and the 90s and you know they're playing like the I'm bad LL Cool J in the first couple and I thought that was really I I just I love it like it's one of my things I've been looking forward to is what music they're going to play for certain moments. So the whole whole walking off the court uh, at the end of the series thing like I think my favorite part of of Sunday night's two episodes was when they played 
Isaiah's excuse for Jordan and just the look mm. on Jordan's face. He's like, I don't give a damn what he says. <laughs> like, I really don't care. And I mean, you can just tell he still wants nothing to do with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And I think when, when, and they, you know, when Isaiah ran off the court, he, he was kind of ducking and, and shimmering a little bit, like, like goofing. And I just think Jordan was like, nope, that's it. No dream team for you, sir. Yep. <laughs> that was, that was the best part of it for sure. Um, yeah, and it's it was funny like Isaiah tried to defend himself with like Mikhail and all this and that and you know they kind of had it wasn't quite exactly the same and then to Jordan's point like you know he, and he said it like I hate it it was like painful to do that and I mean anyone who's played competitive sports when you're in a heated heated series heated heated game losing sucks but you got to suck it up and shake hands you know it's... well dude and I loved how Sally <laughs> sat John. On Sally, he's like, dude, put me in the game. I'm not, I'm not walking off the court. Yes. Like this. So he he wanted to be in the game and on the court when it ended, and and they made that happen for him. And then the other thing that's interesting, you know, Isaiah's excuse. And I think Pistons, Pistons people who say they didn't do anything wrong will say, well, Boston didn't shake Detroit's hand when Adrian Danley was shooting free throws. But one thing that I think was different about that is Boston was at the other end of the court. And, and didn't have to walk in front of Detroit's bench for yeah. one. So they were, and they were, they were probably really mad about something the Pistons did during that game. And they're like, yeah. or in the series, you know, they're like, we're out of here. And and the Pistons had to walk right by the Bulls bench. And I, I don't know. And, and like Michael said, he's like, man, we the two years before that when they kicked our ass, we we shook their hands. Yep. So make of it what you will, but I mean that that was awesome, and and just just to see that Jordan is still completely not over any Isaiah stuff. I love is, it. Is yeah, awesome. yeah, it's awesome. And he he smashed them in that series uh, at a four game sweep. Thirty points, five boards, seven assists, two point three steals, one point eight blocks uh, at forty minutes a game. Uh, just domination. Um, yeah, that was. I mean that's I didn't really have a great appreciation for at the time. I mean I was you know single digit kid, uh, age wise. But I mean the, just looking at his numbers historically, like he was much better statistically in the kind of turn of the the decade. You know the late eighties, early nineties. He was just a beast on the stat sheet. But um, and, if, and just watching the video yeah. of him and just the way he can jump in the air and maneuver around people. And just pull off crazy shot after crazy shot. I mean, he's it's still it's still incredible to watch. I think. Yeah, I thought that was it was almost like a life lesson when he was talking about when he spent the whole off season putting on muscle and be like, all right, you know, I lost because I got pushed around, and then he's like, all right, I'm gonna throw my weight around now, and that was, that's was just you know, it's a good lesson to teach kids, I guess, right? You know, if you want something bad enough, do it, and he did. Um, and again, well, but I mean, how they how, whooped him? How many times do you hear about? You know, guys who guys who having a special skill should not add a bunch of muscle because yeah. then, like, you're not going to be able to shoot anymore, basically. Yeah. And the fact that he they added it, they went to the triangle offense, and he had to learn that, and he he gained a bunch of muscle. Like, it, it's just the the whole story blows me away. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it's, do we it, need to talk? Do we need to talk about uh, Doug Collins' uh, sweat? What you got? Well, dude, did, did you see his shirt after, oh, yeah. in the locker room after that game? And like, <laughs> players were like, he, he's, he's so active, he's crazy on the sideline. 
And I just don't feel like coaches do that anymore. Like I don't, I don't see a lot of coaches after the game whose shirts are just like dripping wet with sweat. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, I don't know if this is going to be cool or not, but when uh, Jordan hit the big shot over Craig Elo in 1989, yeah, um, we're going to talk about that. I assume that was on yeah, your list. Yeah, talk about uh, that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was watching that game in my fraternity house room in 1989. I was in college and it was me and Scott Clark and Eric Holcomb and Eric's the the governor of Indiana now. And the three of us were in there watching that game. And I remember Scott fell asleep on the floor and he was, he had his head on a couch pillow on the floor and we're sitting there watching that game. And Jordan hits that shot over Elo and we just explode. Like we're screaming and he didn't even wake up. And uh, Scott woke up like 20 minutes later and I'm like, dude, you just missed the end of one of the best basketball games I've I've ever seen. So my buddy uh, slept, even though it was like two o'clock in the afternoon on on a Saturday or something, uh, slept all the way through that shot and the celebration that followed, which is funny now because it's one of the most iconic shots in the history of sports. It really is. And, uh, if you go over the years, there's really only been five of those game over, go home moments uh, in the playoffs. And one player has two of those. Dame time. Uh, knocking out Chandler Parsons. And then obviously the, the pull up on OKC with the, the classic wave goodbye against OKC. That was that was just... Uh, that I, I woke up like my dog was like, what are you doing? It's just those kinds of moments are so cool. And then also, um, you know, even crazier, I guess, Kawhi. You know the the bounce uh, to to yep. over MB was crazy, and then um, before MJ was just the the Samson over um, over LA too. But those like series clinching shots, I mean like Joe Carter status for baseball is just like it's well the pinnacle of sports, right? I mean that's what that's what we watch for is moments like that. It's really cool. Yeah, so that that was that was pretty uh, that was that was cool to to relive that, and that's the cool thing about this show too is I, like those. They'll start off in '97 or whatever, and then they'll they'll back up ten years and show yeah. you what happened in '85 or '72 or when Rodman was born or whatever. It just bounces all over the place, and it's but it. I don't know. I don't know about you, but like when that two hours is over on Sundays, it makes me really sad. And what's really gonna make me sad is when the whole thing is over and and we don't have that to watch on Sunday nights anymore. Hopefully we have sports back by the by the time that happens. Yeah, we only got three more nights of it if they're gonna stick with. I assume they're gonna stick with the two per night, right? Yeah. So yeah, two it's, per night it's for great. Three. Yeah. Three more nights. Yeah, I've, uh, it's definitely hasn't disappointed. Would you say it's exceeded expectations so far? Because I mean, everyone such, had such a high bar for this show. Yeah, I mean the hype was so high. I don't. I wouldn't say that it's surpassed what I thought it would do. It's exactly what I yeah. what I wanted. I guess. I think it's surpassed. I mean, it's been. Me. It's been because I don't I'm very much I like live stuff you know like I hate I don't I hate when people like my Twitter rule I, I think a Twitter rule should be if you're on Twitter for sports you shouldn't be live tweeting about you know like someone spoiled Breaking Bad for me once and I'll, I know who it is and I'll never forget him for that um, <laughs> great great fantasy football follow by the way I'm not gonna say who it is but um yeah, like people who spoil shows, I, I get so mad, man. When I'm watching games on Sunday night or whatever, and people are tweeting about shows, this gets a pass. You know, it's kind of. I feel like this is the only show where you could tweet about a show that's recorded to me, where it's fair game. Like if you if you're gonna watch 
this show on DVR, you got to stay off Twitter. You know, obviously because no sports are on. But uh, that's that's kind of how one of my I I hate that I hate when people even just like anything about a show while it's going on like I I just I think mean, that's kind of a tangent. How do you how do you feel about that? Uh, about Tweety? We're just saying we're tweeting about shows that are recorded while basketball is on. Because I mean, you know, we'll be watching games that are you know going on like the Lakers playing late at night on Sunday, and you know whatever's yeah. on that night. Like I I hate when people are tweeting about shows. But this like <laughs> I said, this is like the only show I could think of. Or you obviously get a pass, but again, the show is great and there's no sports on, so it's kind of a no brainer. Now I threw up a uh, I threw up a Homeland tweet last night because it was the last episode ever, and I just I just said it was well done. And but yeah, that's fine. But yeah, you're not talking about glad like, they did it that way. I didn't, I didn't throw the uh, the plot out there, right? Like, but, oh my uh, god, he killed yeah, this guy! Like, uh, like, come on, dude. I'm not a I'm not a, I'm not glued to the to the Twitter. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm not as in, dialed in as you are. Clearly, yeah, that's one clearly, of my, but, uh, my little pet peeves. For I, yeah, I hear you, dude. I don't need people ruining the ending of Ozark for me on Twitter. Exactly, yeah. Ozark, fantastic show. Uh, um, it is, it is a good one. That that the end of that one was great too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I got a lot of cool stats. I had a couple other things. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'll I'll throw a couple. I'll throw some out there, and then you throw some stats. Uh-huh. Uh. I love the fact that Horace Grant, when he called oh, the Pistons God. straight up, straight up bitches, he was wearing an NBA care shirt. That was the uh, that for cracked, sure. That cracked me up. Um, and then I thought it was interesting that that the Bulls swept. Um, we talked about this. They swept the Pistons in the '91 Eastern Conference Finals. That was when Detroit walked off without shaking hands. Yeah. And and the Bulls basically said in that in the last night's show, you know, that was bigger than going to the finals. Like we had to beat Detroit and, and being a a guy from Indianapolis, um, it reminded me a lot of when the, when the Indianapolis Colts beat the Patriots in 06 to go play the bears in the super bowl. By the time the super bowl got there, like that was the under undercard because beating the Patriots to get to the super bowl, like that was the season right there. That was, I think we all, like that was that was all most of us fans cared that much about. It's like we finally, you know, got over the obstacle that, that that they've never been able to get over before. So I felt like those were two very similar storylines. But uh, yeah, throw some throw some stats. Yeah, out there, it was really like they mentioned on the show too. How it's so like linear for like the NBA dynasties those days. Like you had the Lakers, the Celtics, Pistons took over, and the Bulls. It's the Bulls' turn. Obviously, the when Michael went down, they had the back-to-back Rockets, and the Bulls were back again. So it's kind of crazy how like, and this it's a little bit different now, where it's just like LeBron, <laughs> LeBron until now it's with the Lakers, but it's like LeBron versus whoever comes out of the West. It's, you know, it's it's kind of like that's not really the case for like baseball. I want to say like baseball, it's kind of different every year, and then football is a little bit different because the Patriots are so good. And as a Jets fan, I'm very happy to see Tom Brady out of our division. But um, and by the way, my, my Jets killed their draft. By the way, I was really proud of them. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really like it's just because ba- like part of it's just because basketball seven game series. You know, usually the best team wins. I feel like that's more so than basketball. Where like if you have one great play in a basketball game, scoring a hundred something points a game, like that's not going to be a huge deal. Whereas if you throw a big eighty yard touchdown pass in football, like that's gonna that's gonna give you much much better odds to win the game. Like this is kind of easy analysis, but. So yeah, I think that's part of the reason why it's been like so like NBA is like more dynasty e 
But uh, yeah, like you said, it was really cool to see them dethrone the Pistons. You could just see it, like on the like they even Pippen, who's like you know one of the most mild dudes on the on the team. You could just see the emotion like beaming from him. It was really cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I got a lot of cool um, Jordan stats. I looked up if you want to go through some of this. It's it's kind of cool. Um, so efficient, like the uh, the lack of three pointers for Jordan really puts a huge hole um, in making him like kind of an epic efficiency guy, which is kind of crazy um, because you know he was the best scorer in the '90s, like easily uh, in the late '80s too, like I said. But um, he only had three seasons with 62 shooting. 30 usage rate, 30 minutes a game with at least 60 games in a season. There are three players with more of those seasons who are currently playing. They are pretty easy. Do you want to take a chance and figure out three of those high-volume, high-efficiency players? They're all pretty easy. Are you asking me? Yeah, it's a trivia. You not not feeling it? If you're not feeling it, I could take it. No, I... I was reading my notes. I didn't okay. even hear half of it. It's cool. So um, <laughs> there's uh, three players with five seasons of 30 usage rate, 30 minutes a game, 60 true shooting, and 60 games played. Three players. So uh, Steph Curry uh, has to have one. He play, has, right? yeah, he has three because he's um, didn't hit the games a couple times this season. Obviously, he didn't have it. The three who have five are LeBron, Harden, and Kevin Durant. Five of those seasons. Uh, Curry has three, Kawhi has two, Shaq, Malone, Isaiah Thomas, not that Isaiah Thomas, Boston pizza guy Isaiah Thomas. Pizza uh, guy. Yeah, Giannis has one. Uh, I believe he would have had another one had this year not been cut short. Uh, Larry Bird and Kyrie has one. So the Celtics actually had back-to-back years of point guards doing that with different point guards. It's the only time that's happened um, with um, pizza guy Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie. Um, when they nice. made that trade, so it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, like it's it's just crazy how like he doesn't shoot threes. Like one of those years he had um, just seven three pointers. Like that's like a night for Steph. <laughs> you know he was going on the stretch and he was making like six seven a game. But um, yeah, it's just like the the three point factor is it's just like when you try to compare Jordan to other guys, it's always just like so interesting to me how much because he he was like, again like best player ever. You know you can cut. Best top two player ever, right? Eight, uh, seven straight, eight straight seasons in VORP. If you take away his light season, um, the ninety four, ninety five year with seventeen games, um, it's just insane. Um, I mean, but yeah, that's. I just think the three. Would you think? Do you think that Jordan would develop a three point shot and be more efficient in like today's NBA? And I know I kind of hate these conversations, but what do you think about like Jordan? Yeah, Strap and I talked about that last week. I mean, yeah. I think he would have for sure become a three-point shooter in in today's nba he just didn't need to back then yeah um and and then i mean if you add in three-pointers and and the defense uh the way the rules have changed so that you can't really touch a guy back then i mean you you saw it last night he's just getting (laughs) hammered out there every night he's getting destroyed i mean you you take defense off of him and you give him uh you know four four or five three-point attempts a night and his numbers are even more more outrageous than they were. Yeah, um, yeah. No, none of those years I mentioned, he had a hundred threes, and I mean Steph had like four hundred the one season. Um, you know, a lot of guys are usually hanging around two hundred, uh, even one fifty. Like well, look, at, I mean, if you look at Larry Bird's three point numbers, I mean, you you think of Larry Bird as a three point shooter. <laughs> yeah. He was shooting threes like compared to Steph, like yeah. hard. I mean, it's it's nuts. Yeah, I mean it's. 
you need to be. It's crazy. Like, DeMar DeRozan is going to probably get underpaid on his next contract just because he doesn't shoot the three well. Like, if DeMar DeRozan had a three-point shot, man, like, he would be, like, max player again, you know? Like, he'd get all, he'd get all mm-hmm. the monies, but he doesn't because, he, you know, he's not a terrible defender, but, you know, gets to the free throw line. Like, he checks every box offensively. You know, he's really blossomed as a passer the last couple seasons. But, uh, yeah, it's just three – like, it's kind of an, uh, a boring take and, you know, kind of overplayed, but three-pointers are – that could change the game so, so much. Uh, Want to hear another cool stat I kind of looked up here? Do it. So Jordan's Jordan's uh, widely viewed as like one of the most clutch players ever, right? Yep. Because he has a lot of clutch moments. But uh, his last two seasons with the Bulls, he only had, uh, he was below 52 shooting, which is usually you want to be above 52 shooting. It's kind of like you're like low efficiency. 55, you're pretty good. 60, you're great. 65, you're amazing. Um, so he was below... Uh, 50 true shooting for each of the last two seasons with the Bulls. And then the playoffs, he was 55 and then 51. So a little bit better. So, um, based on those benchmarks, LeBron has nine postseasons with higher clutch true shooting. Nine postseasons and 12 regular seasons. So, point being here, your whole LeBron's not clutch thing that people like to say is the wackest take I will see on Twitter. Like... I mean, obviously, Jordan. It's, we're talking about two years, so, but whatever. And it was it was. Kind when of you're talking about career, shooting, per, you're talking about shooting, shooting yeah. percentage and not, yeah. not like game winning shots. Yeah, I'm talking about just clutch time. So last five minutes, game within five. So, but I mean, you know, hitting big shots is is great and all, but I mean, you got to get there. And I mean, LeBron. Right. LeBron is just like I. I just I don't I hate LeBron. And I, I went to go. I had this. Um, I tweeted this out a while ago. And I went to go look it up, and I typed in LeBron to find my tweet. And uh, LeBron, like over the last hour, LeBron Jordan had like fifteen hundred tweets just over the last hour on a Monday morning. You know, it's just like people yeah. just love to compare the two, and I get it, but I don't know. It's just uh, I, I just I have such an appreciation for LeBron. Not in fantasy, I never draft LeBron basically, but uh, yeah, he's just he's such a beast. But uh, do you think we're gonna That's have like, a cool LeBron doc or anything? Uh, eventually we will because LeBron's watching what's happening with this thing. And he's like, all right, get the cameras ready, boys. Uh, and, and that's the thing I heard that Jordan didn't green light this thing until LeBron won another championship and was closing in on him. And it was actually became an argument as to who, who the greatest of all time was. And that's when Jordan was like, all right, let's roll it out. And then, you know, then COVID happened and then they rolled it out even earlier, which means we got to see it a lot earlier, which is which is cool with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I would assume LeBron, you know, LeBron's already about movies and TV. So I'm sure, mm-hmm. I'm sure the cameras are rolling back behind the scenes and, and there's, there's going to be something really cool come out from him in Taco, 10 years, probably the, the Taco Tuesday episode or what? One of the I looked up, I just want to get out. Um, so Jordan led the NBA in usage rate eight times. Uh, so, Surprised to find out LeBron has just once. Um, you think, hmm. yeah, with uh, with Cleveland, but never did with Miami. It's kind of crazy. But uh, and that was a, I think 2007, 2008. So he hasn't done it in over a decade. But that it, it kind of just goes back to the like they're really so different, man. Like LeBron is such a great passer, arguably the best ever. Where MJ, who you know he could pass, but MJ is like just pure, you know, double teamy. I'm still going to score on you, kind of a guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah, LeBron was more of more of a, he's more of a 
point forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, LeBron plays plays more like Pippen than he is Jordan. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, yeah, especially uh, just like just distributing the ball. And one other thing too that I thought was cool, the, um, the John Paxton. Um, you know, Jordan was talking about the like the driving kick. That's like that's like one of the NBA plays now. And I also thought it was crazy to me, like when the kickouts are going out to Paxton, he's like two feet in front of the three point line. That like that yeah. would never happen. Yeah, total Carmelo, total Carmelo Anthony. Shot. <laughs> exactly. I thought so I was like, like I was like three or yeah. yeah. I was like I had like my hand on my head. Watch like what are you doing? Like get behind the three point line. But uh, yeah, it's just it just go again, like just crazy how different the game is nowadays. Yeah, and it's funny because like Jordan, Jordan was used to being the guy. Yeah, and he's like, all right, fine, I guess I'll I'll pay, I'll give it to Paxson, and then Paxson made that first shot, and he's like, all right, I'll keep <laughs> giving it to him, and it, it reminds me of uh, you know, the Ron Artest documentary when after they won that championship and Kobe passed it to. Meta World Peace, and he he hit the three pointer to to basically win the game. And and his press conference, he's like, Kobe passed me the ball. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Kobe passed me the ball. <laughs> That's sort of like uh, John Paxson and Jordan last night. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, we didn't talk about. But, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, um, just like the Pippen strike that, like, not strike, but you know, kind of holding himself out. Like that's another thing I didn't really get to talk about yet. I, th- I thought that was kind of crazy like, for what he was sixth highest paid player on the team. He was the yep. best player and what hundred and something on in the league, which is just insane. And like Reinsdorf, and by the way, Reinsdorf's like over eighty. He looks great. Um, but um, yeah, I just thought that like like signing that kind of a deal, man. Like oh man, to be to be so cheap and and that was when he was you know kind of established, like that he was going to have a yeah, career. You know, they asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, man. I mean, I just couldn't take a chance of getting injured. I yeah. had, I needed money. And, I mean, it's still he was still getting eight, what, eighteen, twenty million dollars. It's not like he, I mean, how much how much money do you need, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then Reinsdorf, when they interviewed him, he's like, you know, I told Scotty not to sign that contract. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to tell him, uh, and then you know, Reinsdorf's like, once you sign it, dude, that's it. That as far as I'm concerned, that's that's what you agreed to, and that's yeah. what you're gonna that's what you're gonna play for. And you know, speaking of Reinsdorf, I think it's also interesting that Kraus. Kraus has taken a lot of heat from this thing, and and I think uh, rightfully so. I've never, I don't recall a, a front office figure doing so many great things and so many just off the wall horrible things in the same career with the same team. Like, yeah. you know, he went and got Pippen, he 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 got Phil Jackson, he did some really great, he some great things, but uh, just. Oh man, his ego and not being able to to deal with people and and stuff like that was just nuts to me. But yeah, the the Pippen thing and the, uh, the other interesting thing that I didn't realize from watching that show last night was when Pippen came back finally from from the injury and the holdout is really what it was. Uh, Rodman's got Rodman got his feelings hurt from going from being the number two to the number <laughs> three guy and just stopped caring. And just went into a descent, and that's when, that's when he needed his Vegas vacation. <laughs> and something we forgot to talk about as far as Vegas vacation goes is, first of all, Rodman should have copyrighted that phrase before National Lampoon got a hold of it. <laughs> but uh, Michael, I think the Bulls sent Michael Jordan to Vegas to get to get Rodman, and yeah, 
everybody, you know, Twitter was blowing up last night with pictures of of Jordan in Vegas with girls and Jordan in Vegas at, at the tables. Like, sure, I'll go, I'll go get Rodman. <laughs> and uh, you said Jordan out of all people, you were gonna send Michael Jordan, but I, I thought that was kind of funny too. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it's like, and nothing about Jordan too is. It's kind of funny where like the first couple episodes he was like so innocent and he talked about you know walking in that room where you know they had guys drinking doing drugs and the women and then he's like oh, nope I'm good and then as he kind of evolved and established himself I guess you know he was you know like talking about winning winning money on the Broncos and it's just pretty and now he's like I mean there's so many stories playing about Jordan gambling and stuff it's it's cool that he's got yep. like playing cards, yep. drinking, dropping f bombs. Like yeah. that's the other thing we we haven't talked about is the f bomb quotient really went up uh, for episodes three and four from from one and two. Yeah. Uh, and props to ESPN or I don't know who made this happen, but the fact they're letting all this language go. I mean, I guess it's two sided. If if I was going to be watching it with like my eight year old kid. Which I'd want. I want my kid to to watch it. Uh, do I really want him hearing all the f bombs? Not really, but I don't really care either. Well, they put it on ESPN too. Uh, they they have it edited on ESPN too, so you can just watch that. If oh, you, do they? If, if you care about it that much, but I don't really. Yeah, care. if you care about it that much, you'll you'll find a way. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's just to me, it's just cool to have it have it be you know like the 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 what is it the curtains pulled back be, yeah. behind the scenes like you're just seeing seeing them talk the way they really talk which which i thought was really cool and the, the last thing i've got about jordan was uh him making fun of scott burrell and calling him an oh, alcoholic mom dad watching like that was pretty funny uh and you could tell burrell and burrell probably did party pretty freaking hard yeah. because uh, um, I know I don't think Jordan was was making up stuff, but he was just trying to embarrass Scott Burrell, yeah. which, which I thought was pretty funny, pretty cool. That was good. Uh, another Jordan line I liked it was when Phil Jackson was talking to Dennis Robin after the Vegas time, and he's like, "Hey, yeah, you know, gotta get your body moving, get the muscle memorization down." And Jordan's like, "Hey, his body's here. <laughs> like, who cares? So, what more do you want?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, but yeah, it's it's yeah. like you like you said earlier, it's. Just, so many different dynamics with this team. It's just, it's, it's awesome, man. Uh, and I just, I love, I just, I love it, man. It's, uh, it's been great. And uh, the shoe, I just love the shoes too. Like um, that year, I think they had three guys: Jordan, Pippen, and Dennis Robin all had signature shoes. And I thought the Robin shoes were whack. This is probably right when I started. I'm a sneakerhead, if you don't know me at all. Um, and yeah, that was the first year I was like, I kind of got into sneakers. I feel like. And like the the 13s he was wearing that year, I think it's like one of the highly underrated shoes. But anyways, that's kind of a whole other thing. But um, yeah, it's, well, it's the, just so the cool. There's so many different ways to this. And um, like uh, the Jordan website, they're like having columns out to break down shoes, which is really cool. There's just like so many ways you can analyze this show, man. It it is a testament to how much we just miss stuff, I guess, and just how awesome the show is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of shoes, it's funny all the connections that I have in watching this documentary, especially going back to the like 89 stuff, because I had Rick Mahorn's shoe. Rick Mahorn gave me his shoes and I gave him a ride, uh, from the arena to his hotel one time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I have Isaiah Thomas's shoes. I have Mark Aguirre's shoes. So all three of those guys played for the bad boys. And then I saw Cliff Levingston last night. He played for the bulls. I have his shoes 
there was an Earl Curitan sighting last night. I have a pair of Earl Curitans. What? Adidas, Adidas top tens, baby. Or no, Jeez. they were Adidas forums. They were Adidas forums. But uh, yeah, so it's pretty wild. And then Phil Jackson went to the University of North Dakota. That's where my brother went to college. It's weird. But so it's, it's kind of cool for me being the old guy looking back <laughs> in the 80s. And, and a lot of those guys hanging out with a lot of those players and, and having them give me their shoes and stuff was was uh, it's it's cool looking back on that. And Rodman gave his shoes to a kid last that night. That was cool. And he, he also threw a jersey into the crowd and like. Man, when players did that back in the day, and even today when they do it, it's it's just so cool. And I hope I hope those kids that get that stuff treasure it and and don't turn around and let their dad sell it on eBay. Right. And like the the, yep. the nineties fashion, like the, the like I remember like you know dudes with like the Tommy Hilfiger polo shirts and stuff, and like it's just like that's like so long ago, man. You know, it's just it's just everything's. And I mean, it's still, polo shirts are still popping. Like that's kind of transcended time. But uh, like the crazy designs and stuff on on those shirts and the starter jackets and all that stuff that was now, dude. You know, some of those 90s. dudes were walking into the, walking into the arena with a members only jacket. On. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really, all it was right. Just, there's well, again so much stuff about the show. It's just like you can appreciate so many aspects of it. It's really cool. And like I'm, I can't imagine like how people who you know were born in 2000 who if you're, I'm sure a lot of people listen to the pod are probably you know early 20s. Like they have no idea about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to think about it from their perspective, and you know, just think about again, like they they know the NBA is like this. Or people who are really young, uh, you know, like they know this three point three point bonanza NBA, just like seeing dudes get shots inside and you know mid ranging and stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's let's uh, let's wrap it up. All right, so we'll get out of here on that uh, again. Check out my column; uh, it's really cool. But I want to hand it to you really quick. We talked about it briefly. Where do you think you're going to take Kevin Durant um, in drafts? Ryan and I, I was saying about 10. I have Tatum ahead of him for 9-cat. Ryan was saying he'd rather probably have like Beal, maybe Kawhi, which he probably won't take anyways. Um, said probably won't take LeBron. Um, how do you feel about Durant? On, I think I'd take KD over, over Beal. Yeah, um, I would too. Especially with if John Wall's coming back and all that. But... um. LeBron and KD, I mean, I think I think you got to take KD, but man, LeBron is still hanging tough for being an old guy. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, man, he's so good. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Durant is a top 15 player. I don't know that I could draft him before like nine or ten. Yeah, that's kind of. I guess I I have Tatum pretty solidly at ten if I'm playing eight cat, and then you know I have if it's nine cat I have up ahead i have up up one spot but um yeah i think i'm just so sold and I've, I've been diving on this article and the more and more i'm looking up i mean katie is just he scores so well in so many different ways and um the, the blocks went up in golden state which is really why he held you know top seven ish eight ish value despite the scoring dip uh and i i you were like, oh, you know, a lot of people was like, oh, he plays with draymond green his block stats without dre are way better so it's pretty much more of a testament to him playing more four, which I think he's going to play a lot of. So KD playing more four could give him more blocks. His assists, his assists have gone up every season since he broke his foot. Um, that's added a new layer to his value. So, I mean, Kyrie Irving misses 28 games a year over the last five seasons. And, I mean, if it, when, when Kyrie's missing games, KD could just beast it. And then really overall, he's going to have 16, to eight, 16 minimum, 
18 months probably to get over this thing. Rudy Gay only needed half that time uh, to return from the Achilles at about the same age, at about the same size. So, yeah, I, I just, he's so good. And I think he's going to kind of set the world on fire. And, you know, he's he's in, he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know. I think he, he, he he's pretty thin-skinned, right, you'd say? So I think him, like, yeah. he wants to go out there and, like, be MVP and, you know, to get into the narrative side of things. I, I just, I don't think I can move him up over, you know, your Jokic's or... You know, like I said, Tatum. I could maybe move him against ahead of Tatum. I said on the pod, I think he's the only guy I, I could move ahead of Tatum. Um, are you into Tatum at all, by the way? Well, but we also we also we haven't seen him on the basketball court yeah. in forever. I mean, I I think by the time next season gets here, you we're gonna we're gonna have footage, we're gonna have reports. We're, I mean, we're gonna know a lot more about KD. And if he's if they say he's you know our number one option on offense, there's no minutes limit. He's good to go. He's the old KD. Then he's, I mean, he's obviously his stock's going to climb at that point. Yeah, and I mean, he's doing. He was doing three on three workouts last month before we got put on a hiatus, and Theo Pinson called him unguardable in three on three workouts. They're letting him foul KD already, so he's already taking contact. I, I just, I love where he's at rehab wise, and we still got. If he comes back, you know, Christmas like that's so far away. That again, I, I think he's going to be awesome. Um, I mean, I could probably make a case for him. Even you could make a case. You can make a case from like three or four. I feel like. But um, obviously, with the Achilles, you got to be got to rein it in a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I miss that guy, man. I, I mean, Kevin Durant, four straight years being number one guy for fantasy is just—it's crazy. Like he's probably arguably well, the Achilles thing hurt him, but if he didn't hurt his Achilles, he would have been hands down the player of the last decade for fantasy. Like Chris dude, I miss Carmelo it. Anthony. <laughs> what? I don't. <laughs> I miss. Yes, every NBA basketball player, whether I like them or don't like them, like I am done with the hiatus. This is yeah. not fun. I definitely miss so, it. All right. All right, so we're out of here on that. You guys enjoy your week. Got uh, some columns coming out this week. Should be pretty cool. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for going on, man. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.